It was a blessing to travel with the RCIA students up to the cathedral last Sunday for the rite of election with Bishop DeGrood and all of those in the region that are uh, taking that next step of faith into the fullness of the sacramental life of the church. At the end of it, I remembered the Sacred Heart Chapel at the back of the cathedral, which is often overlooked, but is the gem of the entire diocese. And so we went back there and went inside. Father Morgan was in there, the rector, a former alum of USD, by the way. Uh, We got to introduce ourselves to him, a blessing uh, to share with him the good news that is coming from this place. And uh, there's a mural on the back wall that I have sat in front of for many years as a son of the North End a child that's my parish that I grew up in. And so when they restored it and they put that mural in there, I've sat in front of that mural many times. There's three levels to it. There's three different stories to it. It's all integrated. It's quite a, a piece of beauty. It's a masterwork, truly, in the heart of our city, in the heart of our diocese. And oftentimes people forget it's even there. One of the middle, the middle story is an allegory of conversion. And there's four scenes in which there's two people in each scene. And I've always been perplexed by it. The first scene is very easy to tell. It's an encounter. Two people, I assume, that are one must be Christian and one not. The second scene is very easy because there's water falling from the sky out of this large vase onto the head of one of those one two one of the two people. Baptism encounter that's easy. The third scene is an old man on the ground and another man a little younger uh, reaching down to him and pointing up at the sky. Perplexed what that's supposed to be. I thought must be old age or something. The guys that's like a priest doing last rites or something like, get ready. Because <laughs> then the fourth scene is Jesus, very clearly, the first time he appears as any of the people, explicitly, with a little child. Must be the kingdom of heaven. The readings today proposed to us an entire journey. The gospel itself is an entire journey of conversion that happens, not an entire journey, it's a, it's a particular point in which a depth is revealed to Peter, James, and John of the glory that they have been among the entire time. Right? We can imagine this brilliant light that reaches them that from this person that they had spent so much time with, that they had journeyed with, that had changed their lives so much that it caused them to take this new path. And yet they took a path. Imagine the privilege they must have felt as they were going up that mountain, separated from all the others, and thinking, you brought me? Even among them? having no idea the glory that would be revealed to them, the words of the Father they would hear from the sky, the ways in which this would change their lives. And immediately upon this change, Peter lives according to his idea of things. I'll build three tents. Right? And you can imagine all the willingness to work, all the willingness to throw yourself into the mission, all your willingness to say, I'll do it for you, Jesus. 
Imagine his perplexity before he can even finish. The father is already interrupting him. <laughs> Might just be saying, Peter, shh. I have a different plan. Would you let mine be the way? And that plan then leads them to fear. They were afraid. So much so that Jesus had to come over and touch them again. And call them forth. And he didn't call them forth back into the glory. He called them down the mountaintop. Back to where they were before. We might imagine as they're going back down, thinking to themselves... How come we can't stay? This doesn't seem as joyable going down as it does when we were coming up and we felt so preferred. The dynamics at play are multitude and one can pray and receive unique ways in which the Lord is calling. But we know that in the end they went right back to where they began. And the question is did they recognize themselves differently? Did they allow what happened to change them? Or did they live according to their own ideas, the way they wanted things to happen? Or, having finally gotten space, able to now say, okay, now, now I know. And not have learned that the Lord leads every step of the way. We see in the beginning of the readings, that first reading that we have here from the book of Genesis, a beautiful proposal given to Abraham. And we can imagine he is saying, go forth, that I will do this great thing from the the land of your kinsfolk and your father's house to a land I will show you. We can already see the same thing. Abraham doesn't choose where he goes. The Lord shows him. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the communities on the earth shall find blessing in you. He doesn't say me. He doesn't say, the Lord doesn't say, they'll bless me, they'll follow me, a great nation around me. He says, you. Do you understand the importance of that difference? He says, you, Abram. How often we can live today as the fulfillment of the gospel in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But the difficulty to believe that he wants to make a great nation from you. Not just merely with someone up in the sky giving people instructions on how to get to the Sky Ferry or something. It's you. Abraham, Abram, it says, went as the Lord directed him. And this is the path to fruitfulness. Is to always be called back to that place of dependence to realize it's not my way but yours, Lord. 
where is it that you're leading me? And to grow an ability to discern where it is that God is leading because we can end up doing what Peter wanted to do. We can end up, because maybe God made us freer in other ways, building tents where we want God to be, the way we want God to work. Maybe the way in which he worked in the past, but he's leading us somewhere else. We're like, no, I'm staying here. And he's like, I want you to go there. And in the end, our fruitfulness will disappear and we will become consumers of Christ instead of generators of new people. God didn't give us Christ in the church so we'd all turn inward. He gave us the church so we would have friendship, a people to be with that would generate us, that we could go out to places that were empty, to places that were dark, to places that were afraid, to places that lacked hope to places that were confused, to places that were turned around. And entering in, the saint is the one who can help live in such a way that people discover without even knowing that something's turning around inside my heart and I don't know what's happening. And isn't that what you've seen happen to yourselves and your friends and the people you love? Something's turning around. The fact you even sit here on a Sunday morning is a sign for me. What is it that would bring you from your dorm rooms, from your sororities and fraternities, from your coyote village to come here? You're free. Do you realize that maybe where it is that you will go from here is like Peter, James, and John being led down the mountain. Or maybe you will go with friends to places in which you will keep living the same thing, but you will be going on spring break very soon. Have you paid attention to where it is you will go and how it is you will live and whether it is you believe that what happens here on Sundays changes you so much that it's important where you go next Sunday you do the same? And maybe it won't be as... Uh, exciting as you want because your friends won't be there. Maybe it won't be the way. Maybe your parish when you're back home isn't what you like. But maybe God is leading you there. And he's trying to say, stop following what you like, but follow me. And go into a place that you don't think can generate you or others and see what I want to do. And it doesn't have to be a Herculean effort. It can just be merely if you're in, I don't know, Mazelon or wherever you're going, looking for where there is a Catholic Mass. And imagine the impact that would have on other people. But that would come probably with a poke or a prod or a commentary from a few friends. But do you believe that he is the one who created you? Do you believe that he is the one who is your eternal destiny? Do you believe the one that makes you happy, that gives you everything you need. Maybe your spring break will be lived even better if you find him there too. Or maybe even going home, you have a family that doesn't practice the faith. And you have to do that moment where you think, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to leave my room and they're going to ask me, where are you going? Do you have the confidence to say, I'm going to Mass? 
it might feel a little bit like Peter, James, and John going down the hill, not very comfortable. Maybe even a little fear. But right in the midst of your fear is a place you can ask for the Lord to come and touch you and pick you up like he did Peter, James, and John. And on the other side of it, Peter, James, and John transformed the world because they didn't stay up on the mountaintop. Imagine what God wants to do with all of you. Because Father Morgan was in that chapel, and because he laid down his own idea of why he was in there, he was praying the rosary, and I could kind of see in him when I said, hey, do you mind if I give a quick explanation? I could kind of see, like, come on, John. I'm praying. And all of the sudden, he just took over. And I didn't have to say anything after a minute because someone said, who are the saints? And he started telling all the stories. And then he got to the allegory and he explained the encounter in the first scene of a person with someone else, another Christian. And the second scene in which that person who had encountered the Christian is baptized. And then he gets to that third frame and he says, that is the weight of a disciple. That following Jesus causes you to be humbled and that man, after long years, is on the ground and still in need of another person to remind him And the fourth scene, Jesus with the little boy, isn't heaven. It's the experience of one who has went through all three phases, that lives in this world as a little child, confident that the Lord has his hand. And when you look at the garments of Jesus in the fourth scene, you discover that there's a garment that is exactly like the garment that's on the Christian in the first. There are people out there that do not know the experience of the hand of God, that live in fear and worry and distress and difficulty. Do you believe that your life reaching out to them is the encounter with Jesus Christ that they need. It's a beautiful thing to live in the mountaintop. It's a mysterious thing to discover that when you go down that hill, the mountain remains in you.